Love according to the Apostle Paul. Last week we looked at love according to the Apostle John. And uh, this week we're going to look at uh, love according to the Apostle Paul, what Paul had to say on the subject of love. So opening up our scriptures or just reading it off of the uh, PowerPoint presentation here. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a good and noble heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Hosea chapter 10 verses, verse 12. Actually the second part of verse 12. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, what we'll be spending the majority of this message on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, kindness. Uh, I repeated that there. Sorry, I don't know how I did that. Okay, gentleness, which is meekness, self-control, against such there is no law. And finally, you have what Jesus told his disciples in the Upper Room Discourse. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him here bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Right. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, that, Lord, uh, that you've given us direction in your word. And, Lord, uh, your ultimate goal for us is to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you just uh, uh, take these lips of clay and anoint them and help me to uh, speak with uh, conviction, Lord, the word that you have shared with me. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would just give us all ears to hear what your spirit would be see, saying to this church here uh, this morning. And uh, help us to listen to it, take it to heart, and apply it in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today is Communion Sunday, first Sunday of the week. Uh, not the week, first Sunday, first Sunday of the month. Sorry. Okay. Now, for our regular Sunday messages, I started last week talking about the attributes of God. You know, how we are to adore God. We saw that there's two kinds of praise to God. One is thankfulness, the things that He has done in our lives and the lives of others. And number two, adoration, where we worship God for who he is, yeah. who and what he is. And I started in with the first attribute, which is love. Okay? Now, I'm going to try to juggle back and forth between these two messages uh, today. You know, the adoration to God for love and the communion messages that I've been sharing with uh, in uh, uh, Communion Sunday's past. Okay, what we've been talking about in those Sunday uh, communion services in the past is 
the parable of the sower. Right? The parable of the sower. Uh, the sower, that is, Jesus sows the seed, which is the word of God, on four different uh, soil types. The seed that falls on the wayside or the path cannot germinate because the ground is too hard. So it can't get in, penetrate into the uh, soil. And then what happens? It says that the wicked one, the birds of the air, symbolizing the wicked one, come by and steal the seed away so it never gets a chance to germinate. And that represents people that have a hard heart. So when the word of God, they hear the word of God, it doesn't penetrate their heart. And then the enemy comes in and steals it away. There's also the seed that falls on rocky ground. And that penetrates the earth and germinates quickly. But because there's rocks in there, it doesn't have any root. And then it says when the sun uh, comes out, it, the plants dry up and wither. And we saw that that represents the people that hear the word and uh, respond to it readily. But then it says that when the trials and persecutions and the deceitfulness of riches come by, that they, their uh, spiritual life dies away. And then you have the third kind, which was a seed that was sown among thorns. And that germinates... But the thorns grow up and choke the word out and it becomes unproductive. And that represents people who hear, receive the word, but the worries and cares and again riches prevent fruitfulness. They're, the people that these represent, their lives become unfruitful. But finally, you have the uh, seed that was sown on good ground, good soil. And that, uh, the interpretation of that, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble heart, a good and noble heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So we've been seeing in those communion services that we are all responsible for the condition of our heart. And, you know, if... The condition of our heart is not what it should be, that we are to actively break up the fallow ground of our heart so that it would be more receptive to the Word of God. Okay, so we are to do this by seeking the Lord. And Jesus said that it, the good soil becomes productive and it produces 30-fold, 60-fold, and even 100-fold of, uh, of what it was originally sown. Now this speaks of production, the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about, but uh, I, I believe it was last Communion Sunday, I said it refers to reproduction too. That is the uh, fruit of uh, our witnessing, and our ministry in our own personal lives. Okay? Now, I explained to you last week, or last uh, Communion Sunday, that the reproduction, you know, I said that we're all responsible to be evangelists. We're to bear witness of, you know, as it says in First uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15, a reason for the hope that lies within us with meekness and with fear. 
Okay, so I told you that you're all responsible. Every single person here that names the name of Jesus Christ needs to know how to be able to uh, give the gospel out. And I gave you a good uh, way of presenting the gospel, which was through the four spiritual laws. And I gave you the four spiritual laws. You know, as I said before, God is going to require this of me. You know, if you're untaught, if you don't know how to present the gospel, that's on me. And that's why I, I've got to get up here and I've got to tell you exactly how you can present the gospel to other people. You can give a testimony, if nothing else. But you need to give the basics, too, that we're all sinners. We're all under God's condemnation. But God provided the Lord Jesus Christ as a way out for us. Jesus paid for our sins. He broke down that wall of partition, which is sin, by his death on the cross. And that by accepting what he did for us on the cross, we can get into that right relationship with God. But we have to respond in faith and believe that Jesus died for our sins and then receive him into our hearts. And we then have a personal relationship with him, which is what God wants for us. That's why he died. You know, that's what that last song there, you know, grace, uh, grace to grace. That was what that was all about, how Jesus died on the cross. And now we can have that right relationship. Christianity, true Christianity is not a religion. True Christianity is a faith. Yes. It's a relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only way to God. Amen, yeah. Okay, that's also in this four spiritual laws. Jesus is the only way. There is no other. And you cannot get yourself into heaven and a right relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Neither is there salvation in any other Peter says in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation any, uh, in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we, must, uh, we can be saved. Okay? Hallelujah. Now, Jesus also told us in uh, Matthew chapter 5 that we are to be the salt of the earth. Now, what he said? He said, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there's, I don't have time to go into all the really juicy aspects of what that means. But there's two aspects of salt that it does. Number one, it flavors food, right? Okay. And what else does it do? It makes people thirsty. So it is that our life should be flavorable to others. They shouldn't reject us. They may reject us for the gospel, but our lives are to demonstrate the very character of Jesus Christ. So we should be uh, pleasant and flavorful to them. And we're to make them thirsty for God. I'll explain that a little bit later here. And when you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, both of these aspects, being flavorful and making people thirsty, will be accomplished. Your life will be flavorable to others and they will welcome your presence because they can see that you're a good and noble person. 
And they will see Jesus in you. They will see what Jesus does for you. And they will desire that for uh, their own lives. Now, what do we mean by the fruit of the Spirit? Notice one thing. The fruit of the Spirit is singular, right? Okay, a lot of people, you know, they go around talking about the fruits of the Spirit. That's incorrect. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the very character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It demonstrates... You know, He was love. You know, the first manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, so on and so forth. Patience. You know, that was true of Jesus. He was always full of love. He was always full of joy. He was always full of uh, peace and patience and gentleness and goodness. That described Him Perfectly. Now, I took a uh, class on uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit during my final year of Bible college at uh, uh, Christ for the Nations Institute out in Dallas, Texas. And one of the things, first things that they quoted for us in that uh, class was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, by which you which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now I focused in on that partakers of the divine nature. And uh you know, I kind of bristled at that. It goes back to my uh, first ministry that God ever led me into, which was the cult ministry. And, uh, you know, some of the cults, you know, including the LDS people, God love them. They're wonderful people. I love them to death. But uh, they teach, their do doctrine teaches that we can become gods ourselves. And that contradicts what God says himself says. He said, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Isaiah 43, verse 10. Okay, we'll never become gods. I don't want to be a god, you know. I want to be exactly what God wants me to be. And that is to be conformed to the image of his son. To have this God nature, this divine nature present in me. And I also looked at the divine nature and it reminded me of the Eastern religions and the mind sciences. Uh, you know, they teach that we are God ourselves. You know, they talk about self-realization. That is, you realize that you are God. Well, I'm not God. I didn't create the world. Amen? I didn't create the world, so how can I be God? So, and, and you know... Uh, there's this book that I, I have in my library called The Death of a Guru. And the uh, author of that, uh, his name is Rabbanandrath Maharaj. He was of the highest Hindu caste. And he was pursuing this self-realization. And so he would look within, and he said the more that he looked within, the more he saw how sinful he was. And, you know, this self-realization... It's, it's really just man-centered. 
And we don't want to be man-centered. We want to be God-centered. God is not us, okay? He is the one that created us, and He wants us to become like Him by developing this uh, God-like character, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so I, uh, you know, even though I wrestled at it, I had to sit down and, and, you know, I couldn't deny it because that's what the Word of God says. It says that we're partakers of the divine nature. So what does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? And the answer is we develop this character of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives. Paul says it this way in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says, For whom he foreknew, he also pre uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The image of his Son is embodied in the fruit of the Spirit. So you can see why this is so important. Now some other things about the fruit. Many times that fruit is brought about through the trials that we experience in life. Anybody ever experience trials in your life? Huh? Yes. Anybody? Yes. Okay. You know, some people get these trials, you know, it could be some kind of sickness or something like that. You know, uh, financial difficulties, death of a loved one, and they get very resentful. God, why did you do this in my life? You know, I'm a good person. I shouldn't have, I, I don't deserve this. You know what? None of us can say that because we deserve whatever we get. We are sinful people. Okay? But uh, we experience these, these trials in life and they're doing it with the wrong attitude. If they become embittered, they're receiving those trials with the wrong attitude. The atti true attitude is when you undergo these trials... You should sit back and say, what is God trying to teach me through these things? And you say to God, I have faith in you, even though I'm suffering through this trial. You know, you're trying to teach me something. I need to find out what it is. And I need to allow it to conform me more to your image. Now think of it this way. For a plant to bear fruit, what does it need? It needs water, right? Why do you think Susie prays about rain all the time, you know? <laughs> because she, she wants things to grow for her, her cattle to uh, uh, eat, you know, and uh, horses to eat. Okay? So in order for it to, to uh, bear fruit, it needs water. And this happens most often through the rain that falls. Now, you know, days we have irrigation, you know, we have other methods. But back in those days, they didn't have irrigation. You know, they just had to depend on the rain. And if the rain didn't fall, then their uh, crops didn't grow. Peter also likens these trials to fire. He writes in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 6 through 9. He, he writes, uh, uh, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may found to uh, praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not 
not seen, you love. You haven't seen God, but it says that you love God anyway. Even though you did not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, you know, you love, okay, that's the first fruit of the uh, manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, and then you experience joy, okay, and we're going to see a little bit later on, you receive patience too as well. So this is how we make people thirsty for God. Because they see us undergoing these fiery trials. By the way, you know, uh, 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 you know, I've heard it said that everybody experiences trials, but the Christian experiences fiery trials. That is the trials that are designed to purify them and to make them respond to the Lord in patience. You know, they see us undergoing these fiery trials, but we remain steadfast in our faith towards God. People will look at that and they will desire it for themselves too. Because, you know, we can still be full of joy in spite of our trials. Okay, number two, fruit does not grow overnight. It takes uh, time. You know, I heard Greg Laurie said, you know, you don't go up to an apple tree and you're watching the apple tree and goes, <clears throat> you know, there's an apple all of a sudden, right? Doesn't happen just like that. You know, it has to grow. And so it is with the fruit of the Spirit in your life too. The fruit of the Spirit grows. It's to grow in your life. Now, uh, this, by the way, is the textbook that uh, we used in that uh, uh, class that I took on the fruit of the Spirit. It's uh, written by a man by the name of Donald G. And it's entitled, uh, The Fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is what he uh, uh, wrote here. I'm just going to quote a little bit from his book. He, he writes, The inspired choice of the term fruit is beautiful. Note the contrast between the works of the flesh... And the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Just before uh, verses 22 and 23, where Paul talks about the manifestations of the fruit, he talks about the works of the flesh. And the works are many, and, and uh, many, many different works of the flesh. He says, works speak of the smoky city noisy machinery, and feverish activity. Now, this is beautiful here. Fruit speaks of the open countryside, the quiet of the garden, and the silent but life-giving forces of nature. Fruit is the result of life. You can't have fruit unless you first have life. There's first the bud, then the blossom, and finally the ripeness of the harvest. Underlying all is the life in the tree itself that bears the fruit. Also the life in the forces of nature, the sun and the rain that play upon it. Fruit is impossible where there is death. Amen. So that's, that's a good image of it, you know. Fruit it comes from the quietness of the garden or the orchard, whereas all the, the works of the flesh, you know, the noisy city, the dirt and the filth and everything that uh, goes on in there. Okay? But it happens in the quietness, you know, 
of, of the garden or the orchard. And that's the way the fruit of the Spirit is to grow in our lives too. In the quietness of our heart as we seek God on a daily basis. Isaiah 30, verse 15, I love this verse. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you will be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. That's where you receive the strength of the Lord in the secret place of prayer. Isaiah 40, you know, this is not up there, but Isaiah 40, verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not uh, be weary. I'm, I'm sorry, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So it's about getting into the secret place of prayer and allowing God to impart his life upon you. Okay, uh, also Psalm 40, verse uh, 46, verse 10. <clears throat> Be still and know that I am God. You know that first song that I played up there? It's about being still before the Lord. Be still and know that I, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So the key to obtaining the fruit is to learn to get quiet before the Lord and allow His love to flow into you. Don't just go to that place a prayer and say, uh, Lord, give me this, give me that, bless me, bless so-and-so, bless my wife, you know. It's learning to get quiet before the Lord and let Him impart His love to you. Okay, number three here. The fruit of the Spirit is not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen Pentecost. Well, when, it, when is Pentecost? Well, this year it's going to be on May 28th. So if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come, make sure you come out here. Because we're gonna, I'm going to uh, give you a sermon on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to ask for people that have not received it to come forward so that you can receive it. Now, uh, Donald G. says one other thing that I'm going to read from here. Uh, he says, Many vainly seek the fruit of the Spirit in, the, in a wrong way. They go to a camp meetings or uh, conventions or to some special preacher seeking the blessing and thinking that some fruit that they, will spe they specifically desire, like peace or meekness, will suddenly... Uh, be implanted within their nature there and then. But unless they walk with the Lord, unless they walk with Christ, they are doomed to disappointment. So you can seek the blessings of the Lord, but that's not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you know, if you if you do it that way, you know, you come and say, I, I want this blessing, and that's going to impart this fruit of the Spirit in my life. It doesn't work that way. It, they want the fruit to grow, again, they want it to grow overnight, but it doesn't work that way. It takes time. 
You know, prefacing uh, Paul's description of the fruit of the Spirit, he wrote back in uh, uh, verses uh, uh, 16 and 17 of that uh, famous fruit chapter. Uh, He says, uh, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I first started attending a uh, Pentecostal church, it was way back in 1975, I attended uh, uh, Faith Chapel in La Mesa, and uh, the pastor, George Gregg, you know, uh, I, I was joining the church, so he had kind of a little meeting of people that wanted to join the church, and he was talking about Pentecost. And my, you know, the question in my mind popped up, how does the baptism of the Holy Spirit contrast or with uh, what Paul says right here about walking in the Spirit? Okay, there are two different things. Okay, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you will not do whatever you want. Okay, so, you know... uh, that was my question, you know, how, do, how does being baptized in the Holy Spirit, how is that different than the, uh, <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit? And after Paul talks about that, then he goes into the works of the flesh and he shows how different they are within the fruit of the Spirit. Other things about the, the fruit... In Galatians chapter uh, 5, you know, nothing is said about this baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are dealt with at length by the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, through 14. The gifts of this, this is the difference between the two of them, okay? The gifts of the Spirit are a means to an end, And that is the edifying of the body of Christ. It's to build up the body of Christ. So it's meant to be a benefit to the entire body of Christ. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit is there on an individual basis. The gifts of the Spirit are a means to the end. But the fruit of the Spirit is an end in itself. Okay? That's what you're seeking for. You're seeking to be conformed to the image of Christ. Development of a Christ-like character in each uh, believer. So, actually, the fruit of the Spirit is more important. The, The gifts are important too. But the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the, uh, than the gifts. Okay, number four here. Love, which is spoken of first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The love acts as a gateway. It acts like a springboard into the other manifestations of the fruit that are listed there. You cannot have joy unless you first have love. You cannot have true peace Unless you first have love. 
You can have true patience unless you have love, and so on, so forth. So another way to that I've used this illustration before. Think of the fruit of the Spirit as listed by Paul in that Galatians passage as being a wheel. At the very center, the hub of the wheel is love. And all these other manifestations, joy, you know, uh, <clears throat> peace, you know, patience, so on and so forth, those radiate outward like the spokes of the wheel. But the hub right there, where it all begins, you can't have a wheel without a hub, right? right. Okay? And the hub of the wheel is love. And through that, all the other manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit are uh, uh, generated from the hub. So the fruit is really the character of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was incarnate love, right? We read there in uh, 1 John chapter 4, God is love. He says that twice. In verses uh, 8 and uh, 16 of 1 John chapter 4. Okay? So, Jesus Christ, who was incarnate love, was incarnate, uh, who was incarnate God, is incarnate love. My mentor, you know, the late Dr. Walter R. Martin, he used to be very fond of saying, uh, Jesus Christ is in, was incarnate love because he was incarnate God and God is love. Amen. Okay? Now, by love here, we're talking about the supernatural love. The love that emanates from God himself. And it's not the same as natural love. Natural love is based on feelings. And it's because we don't have natural love, we can do things that natural love cannot do. We can love our enemies. Now what Jesus told us? He says, you have heard it said of old, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, what? Love your enemies. How do you love your enemies? Well, you can't do it in the natural. You can only do it by allowing Jesus to love through you. Number, the second thing is love is unchangeable. Love never changes. You have to continue in love. And if you don't learn to get quiet before the Lord and re, uh, receive His love, then that, uh, that unconditional love, it will, uh, you know, wane away. But true love is unchangeable. Love also must be sacrificial. We looked at that last week. You know, saw that in First uh, John chapter three, verse six, uh, sixteen. Remember that? That as He laid His life down for us, so we are to lay our own lives down for the brothers. Hallelujah! And love is sometimes disciplinary. You ever heard of tough, tough love? Who's heard of tough love? Sometimes you've got to be tough. You know, especially if you're a parent. You've got to be, uh, uh, you know, you've got to discipline them. 
I used to discipline my uh, son. And I said uh, I, I was doing it because I loved him too much to let him get away with doing bad things. Okay? And Jesus did the same thing too. Right? He was incarnate love. But like... Uh, Again, Walter Martin used to say he went into the temple and flogged their posteriors out of the temple. Amen? Now what he did, that was very loving, wasn't it? That was very loving because they were ripping the people off who were there to worship the Lord. And they were doing wrong, and so he went into action. He sprang into action. He did the same thing with the Pharisees. Final week of his life, he got up and, and delivered what was called the seven woes. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs that are look clean on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. How do you think Jesus wound up getting crucified? You know, at that very moment when he delivered the seven woes, and he did that because these Pharisees and scribes, they were to be the spiritual leaders. And they were such hypocrites in what they did. And at that moment, he sealed his fate. You know, he was going to go to the cross because of that. Because when he did that, it was apparent that there could be no compromise, no reconciliation between him and the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. But he stood up there, let everybody know where he stood, and pointed out why they were such hypocrites in what they did. So he had to be disciplinary. And the final thing is love is the bond of perfectness. Colossians 3 verse 14. What does perfectness mean there? It means maturity. It means completeness. You have to be complete in your love. And the only way that we can become complete in our love is to uh, go to the Lord and receive His love. Okay, Manifestation number two, joy. Again, this is not natural joy or happiness. It is a supernatural joy that doesn't depend on outward circumstances. Donald G. in the, this, this little book, you know, he cites the uh, quotation that Jeremiah uh, made about uh, them being uh, broken cisterns. What's a cistern? Well, back in those days, they didn't have running water like we do. So they either got their water from a well or a spring, or they got it from cisterns. Cisterns, had you had to manually put the water in, right? That's the difference between a cistern and, and a well. A well just springs from within, right? And that's the way our joy is to do. It's to spring from within as we receive the love of God. And back then, you know, the cisterns, if the cistern got broken, the water drains out and then they're in a world of hurt. Okay? So 
We're to, not to be cisterns, you know, our joy being limited, but our joy is to be unlimited, just like a spring or a well. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, Jeremiah, uh, I'm sorry, Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10. He says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now there's ways that joy can be manifested in your life. First of all, there's the joy of your salvation. Remember the story back in uh, Luke chapter 10? Jesus commissions the 70 or the 72, as some of the, the uh, manuscripts read, the, the 72, and he commissions them, and he said, you can heal the sick, you can cast out demons, and, uh, you know, preach the gospel. They come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus kind of gives them a little bit of rebu rebuke. He says, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. You're saved. That's where you should get the joy for. Don't be joyous because uh, the demons, you know, are listening to you. Be joyous because you're saved. You can always go back to that. No matter how bad circumstances get in your life, you can still go back to that and have the joy of the Lord. Number two, you, you, joy at the salvation of others. And joy in Christian service. You remember the Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep. He's got a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost. He leaves the ninety and nine out and goes and looks for that lost sheep. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulder and uh, uh, brings it back. And he calls his neighbors, rejoice with me. You know, I found my lost sheep. And then it, con the conclusion is there's more joy in heaven, you know, among the angels over the one sinner that repents than the 99, 90 and 9 that didn't need repentance. Okay? So we should rejoice. Just let the angels in heaven rejoice when somebody gets saved. We're to rejoice also with them. There's also a story at, uh, in, at the end of Acts chapter 13. You know, Paul and Barnabas are out preaching at Pisidia Antioch, this place called Pisidia Antioch. And they got kicked out of town. I'd say they got run out of town on the rail, but they didn't have rails back then. But they got kicked out. And it says that the disciples, the, the apostles, were full of joy, uh, uh, full of the Holy Spirit and joy. They were rejoicing, you know. Talked about persecution, you know, how they rejoiced that they were, you know, uh, uh, counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And the third thing is joy in God itself. God Himself, I'm sorry. God Himself. You don't get this without spending time with Him and getting quiet before the Lord. 
Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Okay, well, let's quickly go through the rest of these. Long-suffering, which is... I'm sorry, I, I skipped over peace here. Peace. Again, it's a supernatural peace that does not depend on outward circumstances. And it's a result of prayer towards God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make your, uh, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding, will rule over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The people of the world don't understand this peace that you can have even in the midst of your trials. It does, it's beyond human understanding. Okay, but my favorite scripture on peace is this one right here. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord always, for with the Lord God there is everlasting strength. You know, I, you know my first extended missionary trip to uh, Thailand. I taught at the Assemblies of God Bible School in Bangkok. And I taught the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And I made my students memorize these verses. Isaiah is a particular uh, good place to start scripture memorization because it's excellent for the rhema word. I've told you about the rhema word. You know, this is the logos word. There's two types of word in the Bible. The logos word, this is the logos word, and the rhema word where you will read something, a scripture, and it will just seem to jump out of the pages at you. And then it becomes real. It becomes living to you. becomes alive. And I said, there's scriptures there in Isaiah, you know, that are really good for the rhema word. This is one of them here. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord always, for with the Lord God there is everlasting strength. Okay, excellent, you know, for the rhema word. Claim that for yourself. If you're disquieted in your spirit, you know, claim that for yourself and realize what it says and how good it is for you. Okay, long-suffering, which is patience. And again, that doesn't appear overnight. It's not a matter, you know, I, I'm patient because I said to the Lord, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Okay, doesn't work that way, right? It takes time, okay? A little word of advice, too. If you don't want trials, don't pray for patience. Because you pray for patience, God will send you those trials. I, I learned long ago not to pray for patience. <clears throat> James wrote in uh, James chapter uh, 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your pace, the testing of your faith, produces patience. Patience there also means endurance or perseverance. Okay? So, it's, it's interesting right there. See, and James even says that when you go through these trials, it brings two manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. It'll bring joy, if you, again, if you respond to it in the right way, and it'll bring patience. Fifth manifestation is kindness. It means the same thing as gentleness. Uh, goodness means benevolence. It means you're abounding in good works. You always look where you can put in a helping hand, either financially or through your own efforts, you know, the things that you can do for other people. Faithfulness. Faithfulness means being faithful to God. That means you forsake all sin. I talked about the return of the gods. So often we, you know... uh, uh, we get involved in sin, which in what you're doing in, in effect is you're serving the Ashtoreth, you're serving the Moloch, you're serving Baal, just like I preached on. Okay, you're also faithful to other people. That means your <clears throat> commitments to them. You go to your job, you're getting paid. That means you, you know, don't goof off. Right? Means you're faithful. You're being paid to do a job. Okay? You're faithful to your job. And you're especially faithful to your spouse, your husband and, or wife. That's a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. Okay, we're wrapping up things here. Meekness. Thank you. See? There. He... he he was uh, abounding in good work, goodness, benevolence. Hallelujah. Uh, meekness. Meekness can also be uh, translated as humility. And meekness doesn't uh, mean wimpiness. But instead, you know what meekness means? Humility. It means strength under control. That's the way that Jesus was, as I just illustrated that. You know, you know, he was strength under control. You know, he, he would just, you know, he, he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek, I am humble and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest to your soul. Amen? Okay? Jesus was meek. He was humble. He was strength under control. And again, you know, if you don't think he was strong, just take a look what he did to the uh, money changers and the way that he dealt with the Pharisees and the uh, scribes that were deceiving the people. Okay? Also uh, describes uh, Moses as being uh, a, you know, said that he was meek, he was humble more than any other person in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. But Moses could fly off the handle too. You know, he had that inner strength as well. Self-control. 
speaks of emotions under control. You know, particularly I think of the anger. Now, another fruit of the Spirit, you know, I've dealt with uh, the Galatians uh, uh, <clears throat> passage, but also in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Who knows what 1 Corinthians 13 is? Okay. 1 Corinthians 13 is the famous love chapter. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay. And Paul describes that, uh, the, that love in a different way. Verse 4 of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Love suffers long. That is, love is patient and is kind. Here. Two. He repeats it twice. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Is not puffed up or conceited. Does not pay, behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Does that describe your love? If it doesn't, then you need to get the love of God in your life. So I, I, as I went through that, I see seven positive things there. And then eight negative things. He describes what love is not. In fact, I even, uh, you know, he talked about the works of the flesh back in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. These are kind of the anti-works uh, of the flesh. Okay? So, uh, um, Love does not envy, love does not boast, is not puffed up or conceited, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. You know, the problem with our society these days is we are rejoicing in iniquity. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh you know, do, do those things, do you have envy in your life? Do you boast? Are you puffed up? Are you conceited? Are you behaving rudely? Do you get rude sometimes? Now sometimes we have to be rude when we're preaching the gospel. People don't want to hear it, but you know, we need to uh, preach it anyway. But that doesn't mean in our normal everyday dealings with other people that we're rude. Seeks not its own? Are you out for yourself? You know, love, here, at the top there, love is the opposite of narcissism. What's narcissism? Yourself. Yeah, well, that's it. It's self-love. Okay, it goes back to that legend, you know, uh, or the, the Greek myth, you know, of this man named Narcissus. An exceptionally handsome young man could have had any woman he wanted, but instead, he looked at his reflection in the water there, and he became enamored with it. And he spent all of his spare time just looking down, and he had no room for love for anybody else except for himself. Now these anti-works of the flesh, those are kind of the epitome of narcissism, right? Yeah. Okay? 
God's love is the antithesis of narcissism. Okay, I'm done here. I want to share one final scripture with you. And that is Revelation chapter 3. This is the letter to the church at Laodicea that uh, 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 John wrote that he received, you know, dictated to him by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he, Jesus says to the people there at the church at Laodicea, verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either one, cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. What made him lukewarm? Verse 17. Because you say, I am rich, I am creased with goods, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. They were lukewarm because they were narcissic. narcissic. You know, he, he says that right here. You know, I am rich. I'm increased with goods. I don't need anything. How, that, that's just a picture of being narcissic. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they were consumed with themselves. And they didn't have any love for God or other people. You know, if they're so rich, why aren't they distributing their wealth among the poor? Right? All they care about themselves. And this is why I've told you before, I rail against this health and wealth gospel. You know, because they should, they, they, you know, the health and wealth gospel, they would take a look at Leo and see, these guys got it every uh, bit, uh, you know, all together. You know, they got it together spiritually. You know, they're rich and increased with goods and don't need anything. Well, you know what? If you don't need anything, then you don't need God either, right? right. Sometimes God sends us poverty. Such a contrast between that and back in chapter 2, the uh, church at Smyrna. That was poor, and then Jesus says, but you are rich. You're poor in material things, but you're rich in spiritual things. These material things are going to one day burn away. You know, we always say it's all going to burn anyway. Okay, so what did Jesus tell them? Verse 18, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. And white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. You know, Jesus didn't have one good thing to say about Laodicea, but he didn't have one thing bad to say about the church that was there in Smyrna. Now, I could uh, spend more time, but I, I just want to f- uh, focus on that, that one uh, uh, uh First part of verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. How do you buy gold? What is Jesus talking about buying gold? Huh? What did I tell you a couple of weeks ago, I think, about the metals in the Bible? What did I say gold represents? 
Gold represents God and the character of God. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold. What does that tell you? It's going to cost you something. Right? It's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to cost you through the trials that you suffer. You know, I was going to give you an illustration about this from my mother. But I'm going to save it for next week. What's next week? Huh? What's next week? Mother's Day. So I'm going to save this illustration for you next week. Yes, we will. That's right. I, I, I forgot to add that. Pot, pot bless. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, we'll, we'll talk about uh, pot bless uh, after we, we're finished here. Okay. Um, it's going to cost you through the trials that you endure. But it's also going to cost you, if you're not going through trials, you can get... You can still get the character of God by doing what I said. Being still before Him and letting His love flow through you. By reading the Word. Amen? Amen. Reading the Word. But in order to do that, what do you got to do? You got to spend time. It's going to cost you your time. But in the end, brothers and sisters, it is worth it. Everybody say that. It is worth it to obtain the character of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. Okay, let me wrap things up here. Uh, We have the communion meditation. I always tell you, brothers and sisters, we partake of communion for two reasons. Number one, we do that to remember the Lord's death on behalf of our sins. That was the ultimate expression of love. With both the bread and the cup, the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 25 The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup uh, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he adds in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's the first reason why we partake of communion. The second reason is we we are to take the time and closely examine our lives for sin to see how committed we really are. And if we fall short in our lives, we are to repent and make new commitments to Him. Now in examining those two lists of the fruit of the Spirit... 
Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. How does your life stack up? <clears throat> Remember, the gateway is love. And that's the key to the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul wrote in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 31 through 32, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So as you examine your life today, we're to do that, you know, as we pass out the elements. By the way, uh, Sarah and uh, Freddie, would you come forward to uh, uh, pass out the elements? While we are passing out the elements, I urge you to do this, to examine your life and see if you are falling short of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, the very character of God being manifest in your life. Now is the time to make it right with God and pray for His love to be manifest in your life and the rest of the fruit will uh, fall in. You say, I want this character of God in my life. And that should be your prayer. Okay, the closing song, go ahead and play that if you would, uh, Susie. Um, I changed it. Uh, I want. Uh, uh, it's going to be charity. It should be out there on the uh, desktop. I changed it to uh, charity. Charity, because this this whole song is based on that scripture that we yes. read. First yes. Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses four. Uh, well, not just verses four through seven. The entire chapter, the love uh, chapter. You know, we've played this before, but. I, you know, in view of what I've preached, I'd like to uh, you to sing along and take it to heart too. Although I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and though I prophesy and understand all, although I have all. Faith, so mountains may be removed, and though I feed the poor and give up my mind, if I have not charity, if love does not flow from me, I am nothing. Jesus, reduce me to love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious. Not proud, but gentle and meek. Seeks not its own way. Love sings when Jesus prevails. Believes and endures all things. Love hopes and bears every bond. And love never fails. If I have not charity, if love does not flow from me, I am nothing. Jesus, reduce. 
for that love? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> How many of you are ready to buy that gold from him? Yes. And you know he said it's refined through the fire. Sometimes that's how you have to procure it is through the fiery trials that Peter spoke about. Okay. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 again. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So this represents... The body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not literally the body of Jesus Christ. It represents it. And we partake of it to remember him. Father, we thank you so much for what this uh, bread represents, Lord. It represents your broken body. Lord, even before you went to the cross, it was broken by having your body ripped open, your back ripped open by the cat of nine tails, and that... uh, a uh, crown of thorns jammed upon your brow. And uh, Lord, uh, then uh, your body was nailed there to the cross for our sins. And and uh, your hands and feet 
pierced. And then, Lord God, you, uh, uh, to show that you were really dead, that your uh, earthly body had uh, passed on, Lord, uh, they pierced your side with a uh, spear, Lord, and blood and water poured out, Lord, showing that you had indeed uh, expired physically. But, of course, your spirit was still alive and well and was reunited with uh, your body on the day of resurrection. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for this, what this represents. Okay. Take care, everybody. Verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he return, until he comes. Father, we thank you for what this uh, uh, the grape juice in this cup represents, Lord. It represents your precious blood, which was poured out there on Calvary's tree. And Lord, we thank you for your uh, exceeding great and precious promise, Lord, that if we would walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, keeps on cleansing us from every sin. Lord, we thank you for the cleansing efficacy of uh, your blood and how it is inaugurated the new covenant which we now live under. Drink everybody of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God for every person here. And if there's anyone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, just repeat after me. And you want to receive the Lord in your life. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments and fallen short of your standards. Right now I turn from that sin and ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. And be my God. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. In Him alone to save me from my sins. Thank you for loving me and calling me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, that's the sinner's prayer. You know, everybody should have one of these. I want to give this to you. Uh, uh, Michael. Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah. Here, come on up. Here, we've got, we've got them in the back too. Thank you. Okay, hallelujah. So, Father, we praise and thank you, Lord, for the uh, uh, 
message, Lord, that you shared with me and I shared with your people too. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, to put into practice, Lord, the things that I have shared here today. And Lord, that may we see the fruit of the Spirit growing and thriving in our lives as the days go by until we meet you, Lord, at either at the point of death or the time that you come back here, if you come back here in our lifetime. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before I start the uh, prayer request, um, as we just uh, shared, with, I forgot to give this in the announcements. Next week is Mother's Day, and it's also going to be our Pot Bless Day. So, uh, somebody want to, uh, uh, you know, I'm always doing the one that, that chooses it. What, what do you guys want? Tacos. Okay. Okay. Is that okay, uh, uh, Marie and uh, uh, Sarah? Bring the uh, uh, Indian fried bread, and we'll. Uh, Okay, the usual stuff. What about meat? Sure, gotta have meat. Yeah, I I, I like that uh, shirt that says I didn't uh, climb to the top of the food chain to be a vegetarian. I'm a carnivore. Oh, you're a car- you're a carnivore. Me too. Okay. So uh, we'll we'll get some uh, we'll we'll get some hamburger meat and uh, do that. Three pounds, I don't know. Okay, yeah, we don't have to get as much as we usually do. Okay, so anyway, we'll have that uh, next week after church. Celebrate Mother's Day too. How many mothers do we have here? Okay, not not me. I'm not a. I'm not a. Yep. I don't know. The left says that men can get pregnant these days. So. Hey, <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm getting pregnant though. I got to go on a diet and lose this spare tire. Okay. Anyway. Indian bread with, and we'll make tacos out of it. Hallelujah! And thank you, ladies, uh, for preparing the uh, Indian bread for us. Okay, um, prayer request. Uh, Lord really answered prayer with Dolly and I. You know, giving us traveling mercies and getting her citizenship. Uh, pray for Sean and Grace. Uh, uh, Grace's mother. Uh, passed on to she was saved so she's with the Lord now but uh, pray for them uh, pray that God would uh, provide for the th- the needs in their life too okay um, pray for uh, uh, okay Teresa Maxell 
Okay, and then Bob McClay. We saw, in fact, we stayed with Bob and uh, Renee McClay in uh, in Phoenix. You know, this, that, that's where we stayed, you know. Pray for my friend Alan. He's going into surgery for six days. Okay, Alan. Alan. Okay, uh, what's he going into surgery for? Okay. Okay, Pastor Sandra. Okay, when's Cheryl coming back, uh, Susie? I don't know. She had yesterday was a funeral, and she might have two more funerals Okay. Stephen. Homer. Stephen, who? Pray for Stephen Homer. Okay. Uh, does he have a need in? Yeah, he's in the hospital on his, hopefully not his deathbed. Okay, well, is he saved? Yes. Is he saved? Does he know the Lord Jesus? Okay. Okay, here, let me let me catch up here. Okay, so we've got uh, um, Ethan, uh, Pam, Trevi. Okay. Um, Okay, Tokata. Yeah, Dolly's been witnessing to her, you know, and uh, she had cancer surgery, but it's metastasized, and, uh, you know, pray for her uh, healing, but especially pray for her salvation. Okay, and there's a lot of these other people, too. Okay, so. Okay, John and uh, Pranam. You still have bars, knowing better. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay, so. Tukata, John, Pranam. Uh, pray for. Um, Laura, Larry, Mary, okay, other prayer requests? Unspoken. Unspoken, okay. Okay, we have a lot of people that are unspoken, I'm sure. Okay, uh, pray for our uh, nation. Pray for rain. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's very hot. Well, uh, May is always the hottest month. June, the rainy season starts there, and you get more of a cloud cover, so it kind of
kind of cools things down. But then, then, the, then the humidity goes through the roof. Forty-five Celsius. Forty-five Celsius. Okay, forty-five Celsius is one hundred and eleven. Fair no, one hundred and thirteen. One hundred and thirteen Fahrenheit. Okay, pray for the the rain. Um, Okay, Fredonia. And pray for uh, family and friends. Okay. Lane mentioned unspoken request. Who else has an unspoken request? Raise your hand high. You want God to meet it. Okay. Okay, any other prayer requests now? Okay, revival. Yeah, well, we we always pray for uh, revival, you know, for our, when we pray for our nation. Okay, yeah, the uh, uh, they're <clears throat> they're having an election on the fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth is a, a week from uh, today, and. Uh, Dolly already voted for it. Yes. Yeah, she's a dual citizen now. <laughs> she's got a split personality. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so pray for the election in uh, uh, Thailand. They have a lot of political problems over there. Okay, so 